0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Norton. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here um, at New Denver, and um, I grew up in North Carolina. So whenever uh, I go back to visit my parents who still live there, um, anytime I go back and visit them, the first thing I notice literally driving from the airport to their house are the trees, Right? The tall, dense forests of oaks and pine trees uh, that are all up and down the East Coast. Um, uh, this is the football stadium in my hometown, and you can see it's surrounded by trees that are taller uh, than the football stadium. And whenever I go back and visit, and it, it always takes me back to my childhood. I remember a few things. I remember every fall. Driving up to the mountains uh, for a couple of reasons. One was we would go to these apple orchards and we would pick apples. Um, in the mountains of Virginia and North Carolina, there's these huge apple orchards. You can go pick these amazing apples. Um, but I also remember just driving to the mountains to always marvel at the fall colors, right? The changing leaves. This is the Blue Ridge Parkway on a famous stretch in North Carolina. Um, and there's nothing on earth really like the changing leaves in Appalachia. Now, in Colorado, uh, we have our aspens, right? Um, And aspens are beautiful. They have that white bark. They have the green leaves in spring. And of course, the bright yellow hillsides of Kenosha Pass in the fall. And um, while the colors don't really hold a candle to the east coast, right, um, there's something unique about aspen trees. Um, Did you know That the quaking aspen is the largest living organism on the planet. And that's because of its interconnected root system. That whenever you see one aspen tree, it's not just one aspen tree. um, It's actually connected to every other tree in the grove or in the stand of aspen trees through what's called a colony Root system. In fact, there is a stand of aspen trees in Utah that is estimated to contain 47,000 different trunks that we see as different trees. But it's all one tree and it's estimated to weigh all as one organism over 13 million pounds, making it the largest single organism on the planet. Now, um, there's another tree I want to tell you about. Consider the bristlecone pine. You find these in Colorado as well, uh, especially down in the South Park area or at high altitudes. Um, And they can live at high altitudes because they're extremely resilient to harsh weather, which means they live a long time. And I mean a really long time. This is a Great Basin bristlecone pine in eastern California, and it's been named Methuselah. (laughs) because it's about 5,000 years old. That means it was there when the Roman Empire was at the height of its glory days. It was there when Jesus was teaching in Israel. It was there when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt. It was there when the pyramids were being built in Egypt. Now, I could tell you about all kinds of other trees, right? I could tell you about the cypress trees of the Everglades of Florida, uh, the firs and the spruces and the hemlocks of the Pacific Northwest, uh, the sequoias of California, the mesquite and live oaks of Texas, right? The woodlands of the Great Lakes area. Um, And you might be wondering, um, why are we talking about trees in a sermon? And that's because the Bible talks about trees, not just a little bit but a whole lot. You see, on almost every other page of the Bible is some reference to plants or flowers or trees. The book of Genesis begins with trees. The book of Revelation ends with a tree. In the Old Testament, Israel is described as a vineyard or a grove of God's trees. When they're called to worship God, they make this beautiful temple and the Ark of the Covenant and this tabernacle out of elements made from plants and trees. Some of uh, Jesus' greatest teachings and stories are about plants and trees. His greatest act of sacrifice was when he died on a tree. You see, uh, aside from people, the living organism referenced more than any other in the Bible are trees. And it's almost as if God filled our world, filled his created world with plants and trees, not just so that we can breathe. They are necessary for us to be able to breathe, they provide the oxygen for us to live, and not just to feed us, they provide the nourishment. For all living things. But it's almost as if God filled this world with plants and flowers and trees to teach us something about him. To teach us something about ourselves. To teach us something about this world that we live in. And so today uh, we're going to kick off uh, this new series. It's called Reforesting Faith. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of based on a book I read a few years ago by um, a Christian writer. He's a doctor. His name is Matthew Sleeth. It's called Reforesting Faith. And we're going to be talking about trees, what we can learn from trees about God, about ourselves, and about this world. And I want to start today by reading um, another psalm. We read one together a few minutes ago, but I want to read you part of Psalm 1, um, As uh, Abby mentioned earlier, uh, the Psalms are really this book for us to pray to God, to worship God. Uh, They're a book of songs and prayers collected by the Israelites um, that are really designed to help us understand how we can relate and understand God. And the psalm that was picked to introduce this entire book, there weren't numbers at that time, but they said, this is the psalm that's going to introduce the whole book. It's almost as if Psalm 1 serves as an introduction to what does it look like to have a life with God? Here's what Psalm 1 says. It says, blessed is the one. Let's pause there for a second. Um, What does this word blessed mean or Blessed, right? Hashtag blessed, right? What what does it actually mean? We see it all the time. Um, It really means living the life that God created all of us to live. It doesn't mean living a successful life in the way we might measure success. It doesn't mean living a perfect life. It doesn't necessarily mean living a wealthy or rich life. It doesn't mean always being happy. It doesn't mean living a life that doesn't have any challenges or Problems, but it does mean living a life where you feel like you're flourishing, where you feel like you're you're being who God made you to be. You're living the life God created you to live. And I think we all long for that, right? I mean, we all want that. We we desire that, we desire to have that that really clear sense of identity and purpose. That I'm doing what God has called me to do. I'm, I'm moving in the direction. I haven't arrived yet, right? I haven't reached the destination, but I'm on the journey and I'm moving towards this life that God made me to live. I think we all want that. And so Psalm 1 starts with this idea of blessed is the one. The one who is, is living the life that God has called them to live is this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. So, uh, in order to live the life God made you to live, don't do these three things. Don't walk with wicked people. Don't stand in the pathway that sinners take. And don't sit with mockers. Mockers would be people who are sort of self-righteous and look down on everyone else around them. So notice a couple of things here. Um, The psalmist is basically saying uh, and giving us this imagery of it's like we're on a pathway, Um, we're on a journey, we're heading towards a a destination of, of becoming who God made us to be. But there's something that can pull us off that pathway. There's something that can keep us from moving in the right direction. And he says, what can pull us off are the people or the things that are influencing our lives, that there's forces shaping us that we may not always be aware of. That there's examples we might start following that we're not even aware that we're following. So, so notice he doesn't say, uh, "Don't be a wicked person," as if that's what we needed to hear. Right? I think we all know that. That would be obvious. Nobody's sitting here today saying, "Like, I really want to be a wicked person." Right? Like that's just, that's not a goal that any of us have. No, he says. If you want to live the life you were created to live, that is something we all want. Then consider what's going to help you move in that direction and what's going to keep you from moving in that direction. What's going to pull you off course? And that's where he says, if you walk with people who are wicked, if you follow people who are making bad choices, if you're shaped and influenced by people who are self-righteous, well, then, without even knowing it, you can be pulled in the wrong direction. You can be pulled, actually, away from who God made you to be. Now, there's a progression in these three lines. Did you notice it? He says, first, you start walking with people or, or things that are in the wrong direction, right? And then you stop and you stand there and then you sit. And this word sit in, in Hebrew can mean to, to, to just sort of sit, plop down in that spot. It can mean to take up residence there, to make this spot your home. And that's how we can find ourselves sometimes so far away from the life God has for us. We don't even realize it, but have you ever had those seasons in your life where you just you realize you are so far away from from what you want and what you long for. And it didn't happen because you made a, 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 an obvious series of intentional decisions. It's just like you, you drifted and you, you pulled off course and sometime weeks or months or maybe even years earlier, you just started walking in the wrong direction. And then you sort of stopped there and then you sat down and made your residence there. And maybe it was a group of people that pulled you off the pathway Maybe it was a group of friends. Maybe it was a habit that you embraced. And you didn't even realize that this habit was pulling you in the wrong direction. It seemed innocent at first, right? Uh, online gambling. Like, that's an easy one. DraftKings, FanDuel, 250 bucks free just for signing up. Like, that sounds awesome. It's going to be fun. I get to watch my favorite games. I can't lose anything. It's super simple. It seems innocent. And yet it's possible that it could start shaping you or influencing you in ways that you're not even fully aware of. And it could lead you in directions that maybe a year or two or three years later, you're in a place where you're like, how did I even get here? And it's because you just started walking in the wrong direction. The psalm says, be aware of these influences. Influences. Be aware of what they can do in your life, whether they're people or habits or attitudes or practices or environments that are shaping you in ways you don't even realize. And so one question that we could all just ask ourselves today is simple. Is there anything in my life right now that I'm walking with that might not be good for me? That might not be healthy for me? Is there a choice that I made that, that I thought was, was innocent, that wouldn't make a big difference, but now I'm starting to realize that it wasn't. It's exerting a force on me that's not good. It's maybe pulling me in the wrong direction that I want to go. Is there a group of people, or a habit, or a relationship, or an environment? And Psalm 1 says, be careful. It is so easy to drift. It's so easy to get pulled off course. And if you don't want to get pulled off course, if you want to stay on course, here's what you need to do. It goes on. It says, Blessed is the one who doesn't do these three things, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, don't let the word law throw you off. It doesn't just mean like do's and don'ts or legal codes or rules and regulations, right? When... The Psalms use the word law. Usually they just refer to the wisdom of God, right? The the wisdom that God can give us, the instructions that God can give us, the the, the pathway that God can show us about how to live the kind of life that he created all of us to live. And so basically what the Psalm is saying is you want to make sure you don't drift off course. You want to make sure you don't get pulled off course. You want to make sure you, you make wise decisions. Well, then you need to just Meditate and reflect regularly and consistently night and day on the wisdom and the instructions and the guidance that God can give us. And if you do that, here's what's going to happen. Look at the next verse. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season And whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, prospers. He's saying, this is what you want. This is the identity and the purpose you're longing for. This is the life you were made for, to be like this strong, resilient tree. That yes, is going to face some harsh weather and some, some difficult circumstances, but can be resilient. Can stand from season to season can continue to, to blossom and flower and, and, and eventually grows amazing fruit. A tree that's alive and, and thriving and flourishing. That's the kind of life that God has for all of us. And so how do we pursue that kind of life? How do we can keep moving towards that kind of life? I want to give you three uh, suggestions today. For living this sort of flourishing or, or thriving life. And they're so simple. Um, they're, they're the kind of things that you can do all of these today. And they're the kind of things that are for everybody. They're not just for some of us. They're for everybody. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. I've been following Jesus for... I don't know, more than 30 years of my life, I'm like a professional Christian now. I don't have a different list than you guys, right? They're the same things for me. They're the things that I need to constantly remind myself of because I can get pulled off of the pathway just as easily as anyone else. And so here they are, three things. Number one, find a way to regularly meditate on God's wisdom. And I say find a way because there's lots of different ways. Maybe it's just reading Scripture. Maybe you've never really read much of Scripture, so it's just beginning to read Scripture. Maybe it's memorizing parts of Scripture, like sentences or, or passages that would, would be helpful for you that are full of wisdom. And I'll, I'll admit, like that's going to be hard. We don't really memorize things anymore. Any Any knowledge or information we want, we can just... We can just look it up on our phone so we don't really memorize things anymore. But, but the Bible and Scripture, it's not about knowledge. It's about wisdom. And wisdom is not something you can just Google or access when you need it, right? Wisdom is something you have to, you have to soak up. You have to meditate on and reflect on. that. You have to marinate in. So find a way to meditate on it. Uh, there's a way of engaging Scripture. It's called Lexio Divina. That's a, a, maybe a way of engaging the wisdom of Scripture in a new way. You can, you can look that one up on Google and figure out how to do that. I won't go into that now. Maybe it's just reading a passage of Scripture every morning for five minutes. I'm just going to work my way through the Psalms, or I'm going to start with Proverbs, tons of wisdom there. Or I'm going to go through some of the stories and teachings of Jesus who provides so much wisdom. Maybe you would say, I used to do that. And then I just kind of fell out of that practice. And I don't know why, I got tired of doing it, or I got bored, or I worked my way through the Psalms, and then I didn't know what to do after that, or I've read all the Bible before. And, I, and maybe it's time to start getting back into a practice like that. Again, it doesn't take a ton of time, but it's a way of reflecting on and soaking up the wisdom that God has for us. And it's something we need to do consistently and regularly, whether that's every morning or every other day or a few times a week. Find a way to regularly meditate on God's wisdom. Here's the second thing. Plant yourself next to the living water of Jesus. There's that key phrase in this psalm. That, uh, the psalmist says, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. I went backpacking um, a few weeks ago in Canyonlands National Park. Um, Canyonlands is this dry and dusty and desert-like maze of canyons in southeastern Utah. I mean, it's a barren wilderness. But, but when I got down to, into the, the main canyon at the bottom, I got down to the famous Green River that runs through the heart of canyon lands. And it's not called the Green River because the water is green, right? It's called the Green River, most likely, because even in this really barren, desert-like place, This river provides nourishment to this canopy of vibrant green trees growing all along its banks. You see, we all know that flowers and plants... And trees are nourished by water. They grow because they're watered. They can only flourish. They can only produce fruit when they're given water. You don't have to go to Canyonlands to see this, right? If you've ever tried to plant a vegetable garden, you know how this works. If you have any houseplants, you know how this works. Without water, plants, vegetables, flowers, trees, eventually die. And so if you want to grow as a person, if you want to grow as a a human being, as a follower of Jesus, if you want to live the life that God made you to live, you need to plant yourself next to the living water of Jesus. He is the river that can give us life. One day, uh, Jesus was talking to a woman. And this woman had found herself in a unique set of life circumstances. For starters, she was from an ethnic minority that received a lot of prejudice and sort of judgment in Israel at the time. She had also made a lot of bad decisions in her life. She found herself, she had walked so far off the path. She had been influenced by so many bad things, by a bad group of people. She had been sleeping around with a whole bunch of different men. And and, and she was... Uh, the kind of person who found herself who had just sat down in the middle of sort of this barren, dry, and dusty wilderness of brokenness in her life. And Jesus came, and he sat with her in that. And he had this conversation with her one day, and look at what he said. He said, everyone who drinks this water they happened to be sitting next to this well and they were both thirsty because it was a hot day and so they're getting water and so he pointed to the well and he's saying everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water i give them will never thirst indeed the water i give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life you see jesus is that living water that we so desperately need And when we choose to to follow him, and when we plant ourselves next to him, and I might even say when we plant ourselves in him, when we receive the healing that only he can offer, and the love and the grace that only he can extend, and maybe even sometimes the correction and the challenge that he wants to speak into our lives. When we're planted in him, then we find that abundant and eternal life. That he offers. And when he says eternal life here, he doesn't just mean like going to heaven after you die sort of life. He means the productive, fruitful, fruit bearing, vibrant, green life that we can experience now in him. And so, a question for you is are you planted in Jesus? What does that look like in our lives? And I'm not talking about, like, are you a Christian or not? You can be a Christian. You can believe all the right things. You can follow Jesus for years and years and years in your life and not really be planted and nourished by him. Third suggestion. Number three, pay attention to trees. You see, I think plants and flowers and grass and the trees that are all around us are a reminder always of the life that God invites us to have. I I love this sanctuary and the big open windows and, and the green trees growing right outside that we can see and be reminded of all the time that we too can grow like these trees, that we too can produce fruit like the apple orchards, of the Appalachian Mountains, or or like the vineyards of Napa Valley, right? That we can be as as vibrant and as colorful as the oak trees and the aspen trees, that we can be as as connected and rooted and grounded as these aspen colonies, that that we can withstand the the difficult storms of life like the bristlecone pines, right? Trees are a picture of everything that God created us to be. And so we're going to keep coming back to this idea over and over and over for the next several weeks, for the next couple of months. We need to pay attention to all the trees around us. And so, even this week, I just want to ask you slow down. Don't don't move through life too quickly that you don't stop and pause and look at the grass. Consider, like Jesus said, the flowers and the lilies. Consider these trees all around us and may they remind us of the life that God invites us to. Let me pray for us. God, I do pray for anyone who's here today or listening um, who feels like they're in a wilderness right now. Um, Perhaps it is dry and dusty Perhaps they're like that woman that you met who's made bad choices or didn't even realize they made bad choices, but just finds themselves desperate for for healing or life or hope. And so, God, help us to know that we can find that in you. For those of us who might just feel weary or tired after the last couple of years, of just difficult things in our own lives. God, help us to find the water and the nourishment and the life that you provide. Give us the courage to do what it takes to let go of those things that are holding us back and move towards what you have to offer us. pray this in your name. Amen.